Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hi, I'm Tracy Trimble, an instructor with Nature Reliance School. Welcome in for another podcast episode from Nature Reliance Media. A key component in any situation, let alone survival, is your mind. Almost every wilderness school will agree, but hardly any school will go into how to develop a mindset. Craig has started a multi-part series on bulletproofing your mind for survival and this is part two if you have not listened to part one be sure and check out podcast number 40 and as always for everything nature reliance go to naturereliance.org now to the podcast i've got a quote for you i love quotes i don't know about you but i love quotes knowing is not enough we must apply Willing is not enough, we must do. Johann Wolfgang von Gult. Fantastic quote. That is at the beginning of chapter two of my first book, Extreme Wilderness Survival. Some of you may have joined me before for Bulletproofing Your Mind for Survival, part one. This is part two. Part one covered chapter one in my book, Part 2 is going to take a look at some of the highlights and a bunch of added bonus points on Chapter 2 of my book, Extreme Wilderness Survival. If you haven't picked that up, I hope you do. So pick up the book, Extreme Wilderness Survival. Here's the thing. Amazon is the death for authors. I think right now my book on Amazon's five bucks. Five bucks. Manufactured standard retail price on the back as it stands right now is $19.99. No, $20.99. You can get it for five bucks on Amazon right now. So check it out. It's a really interesting book, in my opinion. It's got a lot of vital information in it, and we're going to be covering a lot of it for you today. Now, the reason I bring this information to the forefront of what it is that we do at Nature Reliance School is that it is my opinion, and a lot of people in this world agree with me, that the key component of survival is your mindset. And how to strengthen your mind for basic, everyday, ordinary problems, 
big time daily problems, something like cancer hits you or a family member. But we're also looking at survival, obviously, from the perspective of, hey, you're in a wilderness survival event. You've gotten lost. You've gotten disoriented. You've gotten injured on a duck hunt or some variation of it. What do you do? How do you handle yourself? And the key to that is four puzzle pieces, mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. And I'm digging deep into mindset on these podcasts right here. So I really appreciate you joining me. Before we go another second further, don't forget to support the podcast in any way, shape, or form that you can. What we've got coming up soon is ways that you can just make a PayPal donation to the podcast as well as you can get super great deals from our affiliates. Links for our affiliates will be in the show notes, so check those out. And we've got a lot of other stuff that's coming as it relates to the podcast and your support of it. We just can't. Hey, here's a here's a code honest truth. We cannot do it without support. And we greatly appreciate everything that you've done so far. And we ask that you continue to support this podcast, Tracy and myself, as we move it forward, doing everything that we can to provide good, solid information to the people that surround us. So thanks for being a part of our family. Thanks for your support. Let's dig in to bulletproofing your mind part two well part two is going to be all about situational awareness Uh, i taught self-defense martial arts for a career if you will before i medically retired myself situational awareness is a big part of that when i started teaching survival and related topics it was just a natural transition for me to find ways to include situational awareness training into wilderness training as well The more you're aware of what's going on around you, the more information that you can gather. By gathering more information, you can be better informed to make good decisions. When you're better informed to make good decisions, better outcomes occur. Just the opposite can also be true. If you're not paying attention to your surroundings, you're not making good, or you're not getting good information, you're not making good decisions, and you suffer because of it. Each and every one of us has a tendency to get in a hurry and make snap decisions. And there's a lot to, heuristics is a study of this, there's a whole lot to being able to make quick decisions like somebody pulls a gun on you. When do you pull, draw, have a smooth draw stroke, get on target, and when do you pull the trigger to defend yourself versus when you get up and you're not? Those are all things that happen in milliseconds, right? The study of that is vital. But there's also, when time allows, the best thing for you to be doing is to gathering as much information as you can and making critical decisions based upon that. That's why I'm always a big fan of situational awareness. When I say situational awareness, and don't forget, I'm focusing heavily upon wilderness survival in this particular uh, venue right here where I'm discussing survival. Not necessarily hardcore disaster readiness, but definitely uh, wilderness survival. There's a lot of things that go into it, and one of them is that, quite frankly, the best way to learn more about the wilderness is to spend time in the wilderness. Now, the people that come to classes with me regularly, I have this little thing that I do where I point at everybody in class and I tell them at some point in time, sometimes two or three times, I give you permission to spend more time outdoors. It's kind of a funny thing that I do. Um, It's probably not funny to a lot of people because they've heard me say it a thousand times at this point. What I'm trying to do there is let people know it's okay. You need to spend more time outside and it's good for you. And I try to give them the reasoning for spending more time outside. 
And if one of the things that they need to be able to do that is permission from somebody, then I give it to them. It's kind of, a, again, it's kind of a joke. But truly, the best way to learn about being in the outdoors is to be in the outdoors. One of the things that I've written extensively about, both in the book, Extreme Wilderness Survival, uh, online coursework that I've done, as well as a host of classes that I teach, particularly nature, nature immersion classes, scout tracking classes, is what I refer to as a sit spot. I've even done podcasts just specifically on the sit spot and how to go about it, but I want to highlight some things for you. To summarize it, I'll say this. Just go to a place and sit there a lot and spend as much time as you possibly can sitting there. Somebody like me, one of the ways that I did this was, well, at least how I learned how to do this was learning how to sit in a deer stand. The way my dad always taught me to deer hunt was to go to a deer stand and stay stay there from daylight to dark, not come out of it, not get down, not move around, not put your scent out. And so I spent a lot of time when I was stand hunting, literally going into a stand an hour before dark and coming out right at dusk. That is, you know, sometimes 10, 11, 12 hours sitting in a tree stand, sometimes longer when I was bow hunting a lot. I bring that up because my perspective after doing that changed dramatically about spending time in the outdoors. And what I mean is that if I went just to kill deer, for example, then oftentimes I left the woods very disappointed. But what I ended up doing by going to a sit spot, going to a tree stand, was just learning about being in the great outdoors and the millions of things that you can see going on around you are just as much fun as harvesting a deer in my mind. So when I go to a deer stand and I sit there, I'm just, I get to be lazy and look at stuff. So it's not that bad, really. I thoroughly enjoy myself. But a sit spot, if you want to do it more formally, here's some suggestions I have for you. First is just find a spot. I've done this course for some people that most of them live in Chicago, big city Chicago. Just go to a window where you purposely put a bird feeder up outside your window or go to a city park or go to, if you're in that part of the world, for example, go to one of the Great Lakes and sit on a beach. Just go somewhere where you get to be in a more natural surrounding or at least see something that comes from a natural standing, natural surrounding. Whether you get to look at a tree, whether you get to see a bird feeder, whether you get to do complete and total immersion in a natural environment. Just do something where you can go and be in a natural setting. I bring this up and I don't go into detail in, in my books and I may have done this in a podcast before, but there's several studies and we have a blog on our website that's got probably a good hundred different studies on proving the fact that nature is valuable to being in the outdoor or uh, being valuable to being healthy, that just being in the outdoors is good for all of us. And one of those studies, you can go check that blog out, talks about how there was a high rise building and this actually was in Chicago too. In this high rise, there was one side of the building that had a tree next to just a small yard on the other side of this high rise building. And on the other side of the building, They didn't have any trees whatsoever. It was just a pure, you know, concrete jungle, cityscape. They did a study on kids that could see outside the window on the side where the tree was and how often they would go and they would just, not purposely, but sometimes go by the tree, look just look at the tree outside their window versus the kids that looked out on a cityscape, uh, urban jungle, and how much difference there was in their mentality and how valuable it was just to be able to see a tree. Not that they touched it, not that they sat under it, but that at the very least they could still see something natural in the surroundings. It's kind of a phenomenal 
study. So again, that's why I put that kind of stuff out there. So can you imagine if you have the good fortune or blessing to be able to go to a natural area where you get to sit in a forest or you get to sit in a city park where there are other trees and grass and a meadow or something of that nature, then by golly, do it. Go and sit. If you're not used to doing that, my recommendation is to sit for 15 minutes a day every day. It would be my recommendation if you can, and I know this is difficult, but do your best to do 15 minutes a day every day and do it at the same time. What you'll start to see is patterns, patterns of bird language, patterns of bird behavior, other animals. You'll see weather patterns. You'll see the patterns of the shadows from the trees. And these are all things that are very telltale signs of so much more that just goes beyond what it is that is the woods or the forest or a field or what have you. In my mind, this is a fantastic way to develop situational awareness is that you get to notice shadows, for example. i just give you a quick, uh, a quick description, and I put this in the children's book I'm writing. Think about this. Think about when you go into a wooded area in the mornings and, and you see shadows on the tree. Every second that passed by, those shadows are getting shorter before lunch. Now think about it after lunch. After lunch, those shadows, every second that passes, those shadows are getting longer. For any of you that spent time in the woods, in a wilderness, in a forested area, you know what that, and I don't know what else to call it, but you know what that feels like when the shadows are getting long. When you walk into the woods and you see the shadows on the trees are very, very long, you know, hey, I don't have much time left in the day. I need to be getting back to my vehicle, getting to the house. I need to be setting up a survival shelter or something of that nature. And it's nothing more than having good situational awareness of, I can't sit and watch the shadow of a tree get longer, but the more time I spend outside, I know the difference between shadows that are long and shadows that are short. That's just good situational awareness. And if I spend 10 minutes in in the woods, I'll recognize those shadows are getting longer. It wouldn't take that very much long at all to be able to see that. And I know maybe a watch or, or a clock on your phone would be able to tell you that as well, but realistically... That's just one way of developing situational awareness. Now, number two method that I'd like to share with you is what we utilize very often in scout tracking classes. It's what we refer to as Kim's game. We have a standardized, standalone, not move from it Kim's game, and then we have what we refer to as moving Kim's game. I stole these ideas years ago from some detectives that I was doing some training with, and then I actually saw this same practice come up in a tracking book. And so I thought, well, that I hadn't thought about applying that to tracking practice. I was just applying it to situational awareness for self-defense. Now I use it a lot in tracking. Basically, here's what you do. You get about 20 items. You lay them out on a table or lay them out on the ground. You cover them up. And then you gather people together that are wanting to develop situational awareness. You take the cover off. After you take the cover off, you tell people things like this. I just want you to observe what is underneath of this blanket or poncho or whatever it is that you cover with it. And then I'm going to ask you some questions about it. And so you let them look at it for about two minutes, not much more than two minutes. And then you cover it back up and you ask questions like, what did you see that was dangerous? What did you, what did you see? What kind of things did you see? And if there's 10, 15 people standing around this gear, you'll have people go, I saw this. And somebody will go, what? What do you mean you saw that. You know, somebody might say, I saw a flashlight. You saw a flashlight? I didn't see no flashlight. And it's easy to miss a bunch of stuff. 
Then you can ask questions like, how many yellow things were there? And basically what you're doing is you're telling people, and again, giving people permission to pay attention to what's going on around them. And that way, when you're in a restaurant and somebody walks in, you look at the way they're carrying themselves. Are they carrying a firearm? Do they look like they're tactically prepared? Do they look like they can handle themselves in self-defense? Do they look totally unaware of what's going on around them at all times? These are things that you can start to pay attention and utilize in an urban environment, as well as, again, here's how we would utilize it in a survival situation. You're walking through, everything looks just like a bunch of trees, but all of a sudden you see a cedar tree. Well, a cedar tree is a host of resources for survival, for example. And if you are paying attention and have good situational awareness, then now you know that that cedar tree is there and you can take the resources from it that, that, that you need. That is one way to apply Kim's game to a real-world scenario. You're just literally paying attention to what's going on around you. We up that ante in our tracking class by doing what we call moving Kim's game. And what we'll do is we'll have a trail or a road or something. We'll have students walk down it, and we'll have items placed along the trail. Some of them, some of them are easy to find. Some of them are difficult to find. Some of them are purposely put there to draw their attention away from something else and on and on and on. And again, you never want to go over more than 20 things because you, once you get to 20, you've, you've, you'll get so many items stuck in their head that they get everything confused. So don't do this with anything more than 20. That's, that's our goal every time. And I can't remember the research as to why, but I remember that tracking book talking about the research behind that and why you should never go over that 20 number, you know, something close to that number at least. You put 50 things out there and people walk, 100 yards or even 50 yards and they've got to keep up with 100 different things or 50 different things out there then it's too much so 20 that's a good number and we usually do this over maybe a good 30 yard walk or something that nature tops nothing real far again what you're doing is teaching people to see things i call it bridging the gap if i put things out there that are connected to them that they're already familiar with let's say for example i put out a red msr fuel canister, which is one of the things I always put out there because most people that come to us are backpackers or hikers or campers, or they've done some stuff where they spend time outside and they know what that looks like. When they see that, they're like, Oh, I know what that is. That's a, that's a fuel canister. Right. And they see it because the color is different from the vegetation that's around it or what have you. The reason I bring that up is that now, once we get their eyes used to looking into an environment and seeing different things, what we can do is then we, we then apply that to trees or we apply that to edible plants or we apply that to deer hunting or squirrel hunting or something of that nature. And that provides a, a basic framework, a basic foundation for them to develop situational awareness to be able to see different resources. Now, the last thing that I want to bring up is just how to scan an environment, whether that environment is a wilderness environment or whether it is a urban environment. We call it a couple of different things. You can call it the 5 by 25 or you can call it the Z-Scan. Both of them working in concert together are an effective means of being able to see the things that are going on around you at any given time. So Z-Scan is simply when you're looking, you look along a line and then you make a Z-pattern with your eyes and look along that line and you just keep making a Z-pattern in front of you for an environment as well as on the ground in front of you, on a, on a forested environments in front of you. And that way you can 
focus your attention on one specific part of that line and see what's in front of you. What happens is we have a tendency to look in an, at an area and we don't actually see anything. By utilizing the Z-scan, and this is just a simple sniper tactic, by forcing yourself to Z-scan something, you can pick out small details that you would normally overlook. The other part of this, what a 525, and I picked this up working with some EOD folks, is you simply want to make sure you take care of the biggest threats that are closest to you first, and then the threats that are farthest away from you. So think about, think about from this perspective. If something's within five feet of you at any time, they're well within striking range of you. It would not take a step or two, and they're on you and can bring a harm to you. Therefore, if you're in an urban environment, anybody that's within five feet of you needs to be addressed and looked at. Are they a threat? Do I have the ability to get that person off of me? Can I keep them? Is there a way that I can walk a different direction and not have somebody that looks like a threat to me be that close to me? So you're constantly making these adjustments at five feet. And then very near after that, looking at that 25 feet, because that prepares you for what's coming ahead. Think about it this way. If you walk right next to a building and you walk around the corner and somebody else is walking down the 90 degree corner on the other side and you all both turn at the same time, you're going to smack right into each other. If you, however, create a five foot distance from the wall and as you walk to that corner and you turn, they might turn and walk right down the wall, but they're going to miss you. And it's, you can't see them before you make contact, but it's that five foot distance that's giving you the safety zone for you to be able to know what's in your area, know what's a danger to you, and be able to effectively take care of yourself. So that's it, you all. Pretty simple stuff from my perspective on situational awareness. Just being able to play these games, spend more time outside, do a sit spot, do Kim's game, do a Z scan, do 5 by 25 and you're going to be able to take in a whole lot more information than what is normally seen by the biggest portion, what, 90% of the population is walking around unaware what's going on around them. A small, very small 10%, maybe a little slightly more than that are actually situational aware at all the time. So yeah, there's a whole lot to it. So check it out. Spend more time in the outdoors. Play some Kim's game. You can do this with your kids at home or somebody you care about can set it up for you and do that for you. And that way you're starting to develop your situation, situational awareness for all areas of your life, whether it's work, relationships, or the wilderness, or wherever you might find yourself. Hope you enjoyed it. This has been Bulletproofing Your Mind for Survival Part 2. We've got more to come. We definitely know this is needed information. We just hope everybody likes this information too, because it's definitely needed. So thanks for listening in. Share this with people that you care about. Those of you who've been supporting us for quite some time now, we greatly appreciate it. Can't thank you enough. As always with Nature Life School, come on, join in. Let's learn together. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blinds School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, 
This online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.